Welcome back to the Effort of Everything podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kleep, and on today's episode, we have the co-founder of The Cold Plunge, Ryan Dewey, on the show, and I loved this episode. Now, I'm a huge fan. I should, I should acknowledge the fact that I'm a huge fan of their product. For years, I've been looking for a way to get more cold water exposure, but the options that were available never really did it for me. I heard about the plunge. I ended up getting a plunge. I tried the plunge. I love the plunge. My family loves the plunge as well. It's made dramatic benefits on myself and the rest of the family. So I wanted to sit down with Ryan and understand the business story. I want to know how they got started. How did it come to be? What are the benefits of cold exposure? What have they seen? And what does the future look like for the company? I love their story. They've seen tremendous growth. This is an awesome story about entrepreneurship development and how things don't happen overnight, but when something clicks, boom, it really hit it. Not to mention, Ryan was on the Shark Tank, which I thought was a really cool story because I haven't sat down with anybody who's actually on the Shark Tank show before. And so listening to the kind of the stories that he had to say about that, I found to be particularly compelling because it sounds very authentic. So without any further ado, I want to dive into the episode before we get there. If you like these episodes, the guest episodes, the Kafa Kalipas, maybe where Gabe, MDV, and I riff about what we're thinking about for that week, could really appreciate a rating and a review. Helps the podcast, helps the show, and that's the simple ask. So leave us a rating, leave us a review if you like this episode, and let's dive into an incredible one with Ryan on the benefits of the cold plunge and the business behind it. Let's go. All right, Ryan. So... We just got done doing a ruck. You just got done doing a plunge. And now I'm drinking coffee. And you said you have not drank coffee for, what, a couple of months? About a month and a half. So what was the... I, I mean, <laughs> I'm almost like te- teasing you with this cup of coffee right in front of you. What, uh, why did you decide not to, uh, to stop drinking coffee? It was... I mean, I love coffee. It's Coffee's one of those... It's like uh, not a love-hate, but there's a moment when I know that it's not really serving me. And I'm just kind of drinking it. And I'm not really getting that euphoric feeling or it's kind of, I need it, you know? And I always know when that time's coming and then I rationalize it for a little bit and then I stop and I go through a bit of headache without, you know, get the headaches and kind of the withdrawals for a day. And then I stay off it for a a window of time. And then you, but you think you'll get back on it. Yeah. I'll start, I'll drink it. There'll be a time when this was actually the first, when you put this in front of me, like I, I had girlfriend drinks coffee, the whole thing, like I'm just like, no, I don't want to drink it. This is the first time I was like, ooh, that smells pretty good. It's because the way I brewed it. Um, <laughs> What'd you do? I had just, a, just the AeroPress. But, um, you know, you and I, we've been uh, rucking for the last, uh, I don't know, hour, hour and a half. For those of you who are not familiar with, you know, what a ruck is, really what it is is just taking weight, putting it on your back. Uh, in this case, we're using a go ruck and we put a plate in it and then you basically just walk with it. And one of the reasons why I like doing that is because we're able to have good conversation, learn more about each other while also getting in some good movement and loading up um, the spine a little bit. So that was your first time ever loading up like a backpack and doing that type of thing. Is that mm-hmm. right? Very first time. Yeah. I mean, would you do it again? Absolutely. I, I was the whole time I was actually going to ask where well, I want to buy some. <laughs> so <laughs> how do I, how do I get it? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I got introduced to the plunge um, from Kelly Starrett. And I originally saw it, now that I think back, like from Rory and and um, Rich Froning, like a year ago or so. Mm-hmm. And then Kelly was doing it, and I reached out to your team, and I now have a plunge. And I've been talking about cold therapy on the podcast. I've been jumping in the plunge now pretty much every day for the last two months, and I absolutely love it. I love your product. I told you about this. My family loves your product. But I want to talk more about two specific things in this podcast I think would be really great takeaways. Number one... The story behind Plunge, you guys just were on Shark Tank, which is awesome. Um, congratulations. Thank you. The business side. And then number two is, how do you actually plunge? You know, I think that there's a lot of um, people that are interested in cold cold therapy, but they're not necessarily, where to get, not necessarily sure where to get started. So I guess to kind of back up a little bit, you're in Sacramento and you started this company with a co-founder. About what, two years ago? Is that about right? Yes, yeah, September 2020 is when we officially launched. Now, the at the time, you had um, you had another business at the time, right? Correct. And you decided, what made you decide to pivot into plunges and cold therapy? Like, what, what got you into this stuff? Yeah, so I, my other business is float tanks. So I, brick and mortar, sensory deprivation Woo! tanks. My co-founder, Mike, he owns Reboot Float and Cryo in the Bay Area, East Bay in San Francisco. I've so, never been to one. I got to go try it. Oh, dude. Yeah. Let, let me know. We'll get you in for sure. 
Um, but yeah, so him and I were tight. You know, there's not a ton of float centers, float spas in around. So we got to know each other. We weren't business partners. We just were buddies. But we were both, um, so we already had that in common, became really good friends. And then for me, I started getting into cold therapy. It really came on my radar 2015, Wim Hof Vice documentary. Yes. Um, kind of got inspired. Dude, well, he's, he's on another level, right? He, he blew me away. He, you know, it was, I remember watching it and the, like what was invoked inside of me. I watched it again the next night. I cried both nights. I was just so inspired by him. It wasn't even so much like cold or the breath work. It was just who, what he was embodying mm. and the message that he was bringing forward. And so that was kind of my, that was my introduction. And then I started to get it. We had a new facility that opened in Sacramento that had a cold plunge. I started getting in there. The rivers, American river comes through Sacramento. I would go get in that. So I was, I was seeking it out. It was a part of my lifestyle, but it was just more of, it was my lifestyle. It wasn't, it wasn't a business. It wasn't anything like that. And then where the opportunity came as like plunge to become a company was 2020 pandemic. Yep. Um, you know, March, April hits capital floats. We shut down Mike's reboot float and cryo shuts down. He goes on a journey to be like, I'm going to build a cold plunge. Like I have time. What is the silver lining in this moment of time that there's a pause in this world? Like I have to make the most of this. So he starts developing this product. I'm watching him develop it. I have time. I'm kind of putting in my, you know, outside two cents onto it. I'm just so impressed with what he's creating and he's doing it in real time at speed. And there was, he kind of pitched me on, Hey, would you want to do this as a company? And it took me. I was going through some personal stuff at that time with the business being shut down and kind of working oh. through my own personal process. And, and it took me two months to kind of be like, you know what, man, let's do this. And so we kind of put our flag in the ground and we decided to let's, let's launch this company. And it started with let's email our float spas and sell, say, we're going to sell 20 of these. And so we emailed our customer base. He emailed his. I emailed mine and said, hey, there's 20. Who wants to buy Like pre, pre-order type thing. Yeah. It was, we were out of his garage. Like there was no, like, there was no seed capital. There was no, it was just him and I that's like, dude, let's just build these out of your garage and see if anyone wants to buy them. Kind of a side hustle, but also like this is a really cool product. Like this could become something. Yeah. And so we, we sold 20. We knew that we would learn about the product over that window, like learn the intricacies of it. Um how to fully build these consistently and we were going to hand deliver them to every customer. So we were going to build this, you know, relationship with our first 20 customers. And so we started doing that and that was a really, for me, it was a really challenging time because I, I pay someone to screw in a light bulb. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like, this was very like hands-on hands-on I'm in the garage. I'm kind of, you know, <laughs> I own my own company and now I'm in here cutting PVC pipe and it's just so outside of my element and it's not, it's not my skill set. but it was like, no, this is what we have to do. So that was a really challenging time for me. It was just stressful in general. We're getting this company off the ground, but it was so fun, especially when we hand deliver, we were going down to the Bay area for some of his reboot customers into Sacramento and everyone was just so excited. They're like, I've been wanting one of these for so long. And so we hand delivered them. And so that that's when the company really started to get some traction. And, um, was the product that you guys originally started with that much different than the one it is today? Cause the one today, for those of you who've never tried out the plunge, it's, it's, it looks like it would weigh a gazillion pounds, but the actual unit itself, like for lack of a better term, the bathtub, like a, it's not a bathtub. It's much more designed. It's, it's looks a lot better than that, but it's actually pretty light. What is it made out of? It's an acrylic reinforced with fiberglass. Yeah, it's only about 150 pounds empty. So two people can easily yeah, move easily it. easily move it. Yep. And then you have the separate unit, which is like the, the cooling unit. Yep. Back then, did it have those two components? Yep. It's always had um, those two, like the chilling unit. We've, uh, we now have a, it's pretty much the same chilling unit, but a little different. We've moved on to the current one that you have um, is like our newest version. And then it always had the filtration and um, sanitation was always mounted to the side. Mm. That was always a functionality that we wanted that to be for servicing the unit or it was just easy to access. The tub itself, always it looks similar. There's been a, a large number of iterations that are taking place to the customer's eye. It's not as obvious, but it is... You know, if you looked at our unit, like the unit that you're sitting out there with now to our first few customers, it is, it's, it's apparent the difference yeah. that the things that we've added and, and updated. So, you know, I mean, we're only a couple of years in and, or you're only a couple of years in to, to this journey. 
and you still have the float spot, like the the float tank brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. You still have that. So we were talking a little bit about that. And you now have experience as an entrepreneur in brick and mortar, which, you know, there are people listening to this podcast that own brick and mortar businesses that that is different than your current business That's different than digital. You know, before we kind of continue to talk about plunge, just to kind of talk about the brick and mortar space, we were discussing like TIs, build outs, overhead, barrier to entry, staffing, that type of thing. And you were sharing that like, hey, brick and mortar is tough. Looking at the brick and mortar before you have this new plunge, before we move on to specifically plunge, was there specific lessons learned opening up the brick and mortars that, did you have any partners on the brick and mortar? I did. They were more, they were silent partners. More like investors? Yeah, exactly. And looking back at like the brick and mortar as you grew that, and then obviously when you had to shut down and pivot to the plunge, which I think is awesome, any specific takeaways? Because now the business is back on track and you're your brick and mortar locations are actually getting are online and they're doing great as well. Mm-hmm. But for those people listening that have brick and mortar and maybe can really relate to that, anything that stands out to you that you learned over the last couple of years through COVID or even before that? Man, I mean, for me with the brick and mortar journey, it was the journey of getting open. I just, I, I think that is the most, anyone that's in a build out right now, I always encourage you the finish, get open. Like that, that to me is the journey of a brick and mortar is mm. actually the build out, especially from a float center standpoint. It's a, it's a unique build out. It's not your standard, you know, it, the rooms are so specialized. Like yeah. you, it doesn't transition. It doesn't translate to any other type of build out. Like what has to go into the bones of that building is very specific. And so for a, for, it was a unique build out for me. And I GC'd the project as well with one of my, with my, my partners in that business Cause that was like a huge learning curve. And like I told you, that was so outside of my wheelhouse. So my, you know, what I really took, I, one thing I did learn is I was getting a little aggressive with our cash flow and distributions prior to COVID into what we were keeping. I, I got so comfortable with our business model mm. that it was like, this is what we need in the bank. And this is our cash flow. It happens this way. And obviously COVID threw a huge wrench in that. It's an anomaly. It's a, it's a very rare situation, but there are rare situations that happen all the time. So I learned how to, um, it was a great experience into getting lean into really just like cutting the fat in the whole business, which I'm sure every brick and mortar went through during this time. I'm sure you did, um, you know, lessons. I don't think I, I don't think I learned anything outside of a lot of people would know or yeah. recognize into it. I mean, our, our staffing, having a phenomenal team yeah, that had our back, that was like huge into it. Um, and just little, yeah, subtle things of just like, when I add expenses, like I think through that way more now, like, you know, cause I know how much that build up to that moment before COVID hit, we were kind of fat and it was a really hard thing to pull back, you know? And luckily we did get, you know, the PPP and things like that. But there was a window where it was like, shit, I can't pay my bills. Yeah. Like our, our money's gone. Right. And, um, you know, just, you know, that months of lag until we, we did get some help from PPP. But yeah, I mean, I think I don't really have one specific nugget of a takeaway. I was just curious, you know, and so you're, you're making this pivot to the plunge, which is, you know, as I just saw on shark tank, you currently have a deal in the works, um, with, uh, with Robert, with Robert. And for those of you, I'm, I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'll give it away, but there, it was a big deal. So you, you in two years have accomplished so much. And, and when you actually went on Shark Tank, it was like a year. You guys accomplished so much from building out plunge units in a garage to then be on Shark Tank to now doing millions of dollars in revenue. I mean, it, it, the growth has been like a hockey stick. And I think really what it was is you identified an area where you're, you're providing a solution to a problem. Like, this whole idea of like taking ice and putting it in a bucket or whatever, there's just had to have been a better, better way. And you guys found it, I, I think. Now talk me through the journey. So you guys start and you get, you get 20 units and you and your, you know, you guys are kind of putting it together. It sounds like you and your co-founder or co-CEO have completely different skill sets. Would you recommend that for any, anyone interested in kind of like taking on partnerships to really look at that same exact idea? Cause it sounds like you guys have a great partner, like, and you guys have known each other for what? How many years? We met uh, right when Reboot opened. So that was in 2015. Yeah. So we've known and built our friendship over that time and gotten really close. Um, so yeah, the, the co-founder dynamic, it's something I've thought a lot about during our journey. Yeah. Um, you know, 
Mike and I, we had a level of trust prior to entering into business. Like we were friends first and foremost and good friends, Mm. um, massive respect for each other. And, you know, our skill sets, I don't even think we were fully aware of the diff, like the contrast with our skill sets, but he is, he is a genius when it comes to engineering. Um, he's, he's consistently working on the product, new products we're going to launch. Uh, he's a design guy. He's an aesthetic guy. He's a tech guy. He, those are, and those are areas that aren't my wheelhouse. Right, right, right. Um, I lean more into our partnerships, our, um, you know. You to go on rucks? Yeah, exactly. I, I go on rucks. I go, I'm out here. I, I, I'm out, you know, team culture, company culture, sales, revenue. Like those are kind of my my wheelhouse yeah. that I focus on. And so for, for him and I, it's been I'm something I, I'm so grateful for because we've been able to move at speed. This this company has taken off, like you said. It's been, we're just kind of on a roller coaster ride. Yeah. And it's like strap in, here we go. And so we've been able to make decisions at like a really high speed because of trust amongst each other. He, I don't, we don't, we don't really question when the other there's pushback. Of course we have dynamics where it's like, Hey, you know, I see this a little differently or we bring things up, but when someone's clear, it's like, dude, make that choice, like go make, and we can move at such pace with that and, and effectiveness amongst the team. And so I think like from a co-founder standpoint, I've talked about this more recently of, of what I see in that. I think above all is like the integrity like he does what he says he's going to do. And I'd like to say that I do what I say that I'm going to do. And so that has created just this massive trust amongst us. And so the team, where is the team at now here two years in? How large is your team today? We are, man, it changes every week. Um, I think we got two to three new people starting this upcoming week. Um, we're anywhere from 31 to 34 full-time wow. team members. Um, and, and we are fully integrated. So we are doing the full assembly manufacturing of our product. Right so, there in Sacramento. Yeah. So a, a lot of our products come from a, abroad. You know, they're actually manufactured, I guess, like the certain parts of it are. And then our team is fully creating and assembling. And then we ship out from Sacramento. Um, we just moved into our newest facility outside of Sacramento. So we have our whole office. I call it our office team, which is marketing, sales, customer service, that whole dynamic events, affiliate, all in Sacramento, as well as our production and shipping team. The growth has been, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's, there are probably some other companies that have seen tremendous growth as well, but I haven't sat down with someone, at least recently, that has seen that quick of growth, that quick, that, that type of growth that quickly. And so you were talking about something earlier and you barely mentioned it while we were rucking and it stuck in my head. We were talking about culture, moving the team in one direction. And we were talking about lessons that I've learned in entrepreneurship. And you said something on the lines of, um, your, um, your mission statement, your vision or your, your core, um, your core values, your motto. Yes. So what is your motto, um, at plunge? It's all boats rise. All boats rise. It is. Mike and I, from day one, it was, it's our North star into any partnership we step into. It has to be a, it's a fuck. Yeah. Not just a fuck. Yeah. For us that it's a, it's a win for every single person that enters in. Um, you know, I think overall we, we want, we want to have fun and we want no one to feel that they're, there's not a one upping of anything that takes place. And we want our, our employees to feel that way, that they're rising in the company. They're bringing value vice versa, any partner, any customer. It's, it's what we, it's what we lean on everything we do. Yeah. You want the whole ecosystem to, to rise up. And so as you're developing the team from zero to 31 or, or in this case two, cause you guys, um, any kind of things to just stand out to you about like ways you've been able to get the team on the same kind of on the same roller coaster ride together, because things I'm sure are just moving so quickly and if you guys are having different groups moving in different directions, that's not obviously not going to help your, your speed right now. So are you guys doing anything in particular that stands out that might've been different from what other people might read in a business book that's working really well for you guys? Culture. It's such a big word. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. it's, you know, we're bought into, we care, everyone that cares about what we're doing. Like mm. there's no one, which has been the best part of this is cold plunging's rad. Like it, and it changes people's lives. I mean, I've talked to you on your personal side with what's done to your family and that's just happening at scale. So everyone that gets in is like in on this bigger mission. Mm. It's not about like, it's a great opportunity career rise for a lot of people and that's all there, but it's also like, no, we're changing lives and that's what we're about here. And so 
we, you know, it's been chaos. It's been 20 months from the outside. We're growing. It looks great. And on the inside, we're, we're building the plane as it goes. And right. there has been a lot of ups, a lot of downs. And, you know, at times it's, it's shaky with, with the team dynamics, but we've always stayed together and it's always been like a real, you know, understanding that like when things aren't working, it's not, no one has bad intentions of what we're doing here. It's all just, we haven't created internally. We haven't created the right system or the right process yet. And so that's been like a real, um, real growth curve for everyone. The other piece too, is I I've hired a lot of friends Mm. and that's, has that been good or bad? uh, It's been great. It's been, it has been great. And it's because, you know, like I said, we, we built this company. We didn't go raise venture money and have this big blueprint of where we're going and go make all these hires and then launch. Like we just kind of started going. Like yeah, we'll you didn't build. have like this formal, you know, business plan from, you know, like, at all, right. at all. And it was like, oh shit, we need someone to help build. So like my manager at Capital Floats, I was, her partner is great at working on cars, building cars. I call him up. I'm like, Jay, you want to, you want to come build Cold plunge is like, I'm in. He's still with us today. You know, it's just been the next hire has just kind of taken place of what we've had to do. And so a lot of that's become friends. Like mm-hmm. they just see the mission, they see the vision, and they're like, I'm in. And so that allows, you know, and I have friends that can have difficult conversations and we can be honest with each other and we can be open with each other. So that's been as rocky as it's gotten at certain times. It's like we're, we communicate through it and we keep pushing and, and growth. <laughs> The other beautiful part is we're growing. So that's like, that secures a lot of things Yeah, that people are bought in and see like, okay, cool. This is challenging, but we're going and we're facing all the challenges you'd, you'd want to be facing. And yeah, we've had some people that have gotten off the ship, but most people are in of like, I'm in for this growth. Like right. I'm in to be challenged. I'm in to be uncomfortable. Like, and it's kind of a, it's what plunging is That's in what general. plunging is in general. <laughs> totally. And, and so, you know, if you, you, you were saying you got in an accident in Thailand and went and spent some time, um, you went and spent some time in Madrid, you spent some time in Peru. How much of those experiences with the injury you got into in Thailand, your time in Peru, your time in Madrid, how much of that do you think played into your leadership skills at plunge. Like what did you learn about yourself that you were then able to carry over into your team? Mm. Cause it seems, it seemed to me as an out, like that you did some soul searching and some development on yourself that was profound. Where did that carry over to the business? You think? Yeah. I mean, it's, that's a unique question. It's always, I think interesting to kind of what you view yourself as, yeah, yeah, you know, sure. it's like, I, I, I don't quite know how the world views me cause I only <laughs> have my perception. I think for me, it was like, like I lived abroad right after college and I always wanted to do, I always was like, there's always a different way to do it. Like I, there seems to be like kind of the route that natural gravitas of life takes people and culture down. And I've always been like, I remember going abroad and living abroad and being like, Oh man, they live a very different life here and it works. And so from a leadership standpoint, it's, I don't know if I view it as leadership, but a way of like, there's always a different way to do it, not just for the sake of doing something different, but if it's like, I really look at trying to do things differently. And so how we build culture is like, what works for us as a team? Maybe it's not just the blueprint that's out there, but it's like, no, what are we about? And really making it personalized and making it to us as a company. So I think, um, you know, and it, it's always been a, an all boats rise. I, I like bringing my friends in. I want, I want to win with everyone. I think there's a trust the team sees that, that it's like, this isn't, this isn't my journey of just making plunge. It's like, no guys, let's go on a ride and let's grow this whole damn thing. And let's get like us as a company, everyone's career growing, everyone's development growing here. And that's been kind of our MO from the beginning. Yeah. Living overseas. I think that gives a good perspective. Like they live so differently, especially in Madrid. Correct me if I'm wrong. Do they take siesta? Yeah. It's, <laughs> they take us. I mean, the kids, this was transitioning when I was there. So I can't speak. This was back in 2010, 2011. I was yeah. out there for about two years, but yeah, we'd go home. I was a teacher. We'd go home for an hour and a half <laughs> midday. Yeah. Kids would go take a nap, Did they take a nap, take a nap, have some lunch. It was the, I think they've transitioned out of it. There was like kind of this, you know, there was some differences of, you know, groups that how they saw it, whether you do the full day or whatever, but yeah, naps. I was a big napper. I, I napped more in my whole life than when I lived out there. I, I got to ask this because I've always thought the siesta was kind of interesting, but like 
because people get up relatively early, but they're up super late. So were you, what, what did your schedule look like when you were in Madrid? I know it's the total side. No, it's a man. I mean, first of all, I was 23, 24. Woo. So it's like younger bodies, more resilient, yeah. you know, into what, and I was, you know, Madrid lifestyle. Yeah. You go eat dinner at 10, you know, I'd come back. I'd have dinner at midnight weekends, you know, we dinner, dinner, like crazy. And then you come back and hang out at the house for a bit. And it's like 2am. You guys want to go out? Cool. And then we go out and that's, you know, I'm 23, 24 living in Madrid, but that was very typical. That was, right. I was, I wasn't, that wasn't abnormal. Um, so yeah, night cold. And then, you know, the metros open up at 6am. So the big thing was to stay out till 6am so you can catch the metro home. And so that was like a very typical lifestyle. And you know, that wasn't on Wednesday night when you got right. to work, but that was Friday, Saturday, no doubt. That was, that was the, that, you know, the primetime soccer game wasn't on until 10pm. So that was like, the, the <laughs> my wife and I went to Europe for the first time. I remember we were like making dinner reservations and the woman's like, Oh, when would you like to do it? I was like 6 PM. And she's like, you know, we don't even open till later or whatever it was. And I'm like, Oh man. But that siesta I think is a part of it. Right. Cause people can kind of stay up later. Cause they took that little nap during 100%. the day. I, that was a long, like roundabout way of talking about from a leadership perspective, like just because things have done a certain way, at least here in the United States, doesn't mean that they have to be done like that all over the world. And in your company, it could be a different way of developing culture than what is typically written in Harvard Business Review or whatever, you know? Totally. That's And I think for like the culture side, it's, I try and get, I think what we try and do is we try and get people to see, give them a vision of where they could go before they can see it. And that's like been huge in our company and, and we've been growing so quick. So everyone gets big opportunities. And so really trying to get someone to see their potential that they maybe can't even see yet and be like, this, like, this is what you could be doing. This is where you're at. And just starting them to like, start to embody that. And I think sometimes it's helpful. Like sometimes when someone presents to me, Ryan, you, you see yourself as this, I see you as this. And mm. that's been like big in our company to get people to start to, you know, like, like, would an example of that be like, Hey, you're going to come on as a, as a salesperson, you know, we see you doing this today, customer service, Yep. but John, I have a vision for you of doing this. Is that what you, is that what you mean? Or yes, it's, and it's, it's, it's a, it's a little unique being when they're in the role. Yeah, absolutely. It's there when are in it. That's an interesting point you bring up. Cause as I, we're hiring right now, I've actually taken the opposite route. Cause we're kind of this. We're this exciting company that's growing. So a lot of people want to work for us. So a lot, when we're hiring, I'm actually doing the opposite. Like, are you into this role? Because everyone wants, we're, it's a great thing. A lot of people want to work for us and it's awesome. But when they're, when we're interviewing, I'm, I'm getting clear with them of like, you're in for this role. So it's on the hiring process. I'm much more kind of challenging them. Like, as opposed to, Hey, you're going to go be the next director of our marketing or whatever. Right. It's like, no, you're, you're hired for, this is your scope. This is your job. Yep. And of course you crush uh, as a friend, you like, we can do anything in this life. Like that's possible, but you're being, are you happy if you're hired for this role? And that's, and can you go crush this and not get caught up in thinking you're going to be something more than that? Well, once they get in, then it's the, you know, cause I want them to say, yes, I'm a yes to this job. I know I'm being hired for this position. Right. And not build, you know, because then it can get weird. We've seen it with resentments and things like that. Like, I thought I was going to have different opportunities and the different roles. And I can't promise that. Right. But once they're in, it's like, I like to get them to very big into like, everyone kind of runs their own, everyone's their own little entrepreneur in our company. And it's like, I don't know. What do you think about that? Like, what? Okay, do it. Like, go make a mistake. Like, very much into, we're like, you make a mistake, we're good. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah we're, we're fine with it. Yeah, go. because we want those mistakes almost. So you, you know you're kind of pushing the threshold a exactly. little bit, right? Exactly. You're at your edge. You're right. at your edge and you're, and you're attempting it and you're doing it. So that, that is huge for us. So it's when we're hiring, we're kind of – I'm the opposite right now. I'm very much like <laughs> – This you, is your scope. Yep, this exactly. Is your, this is your job description. Totally. And I think you can crush it, but do you actually want to do this job? Right. And then once they're in, then it's like, all right, like – as long as they're crushing their role, then it's like, how, how do we get them to start seeing different things outside of even what they're doing right now? Yeah, I think. And so talk me through, you and I were talking a little bit earlier about the Shark Tank experience. And what I find to be really interesting is that Shark Tank is very similar in alignment with what I think we're trying to do at NC Fit. And I think what you're trying to do with the plunge, which is 
rise the tides. And what I mean by that is like, my goal is to support gym owners, coaches to pri- because the goal is to get more and more people to be doing fitness to enhance their lives. The goal is to get more and more people to go plunge to enhance their lives, which I'm seeing firsthand with my family. And the goal of the shark tank is to really embody this idea of entrepreneurship and, and thinking differently. And I think that you're a great example of that. And so talk, talk me through what the shark tank experience was like, because from a TV perspective, I think some of us watch it and we're like, wow, that seems really cool. But is it really like that? Is it really like that? It is. It is, man. They, I've talked to you a little about it. The producers really care about what they're doing. Like they want to, you know, provide a, a, a spotlight to entrepreneurs and innovators and they like truly want to do it. The show itself, you know, like you walk out on that stage, we walk out with those five sharks and it's, you, you know, how it, how it is. You're behind the doors. Everyone knows the hallway that you walk through. You're behind the doors. Dun, 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 dun. 100%, dude. So it's, you have the stage manager in front of us. We're in a mass on Sony Pictures in LA, massive warehouse, whole sets there. You know, it was probably dozens, if not a hundred, hundred, I don't know, 50 people on the set. Get super quiet. Stage manager, just like the doors open. Camera goes and it's like walk out. Then you hit your mark, stand there, 30 seconds stare down with the shark. So it's just dead silence. And then the and then the lead producer or director or whatever yells go, and you give your pitch. You know oh. the the two men. I'm Ryan from Sacramento, California. Yeah. And you do that, and you, you you go through, and then and then when you're done with that, it's a true, like, then there's no script, and the sharks start. Interesting. Okay, you asked for like, tell me about your sales. Who are you? You know, and they're starting to yell over each other. You got to kind of control the room. Like this one's asking a question, you start to answer it. And this one's like, well, I think this. And then they're going back and forth. So the show, I mean, we're out there for 45 minutes going back and forth with them. It's, it's, it's Mike and I with five sharks and doing the whole, you know, our backgrounds as entrepreneurs, how the company started, our sales, our, our margins, you know, what, what our vision is with the company, really painting the picture because they have no background. Dude, that's the craziest part is like, they don't know you from anybody when you walk through those doors and you have boom. And that's why you see some of these pitches are pretty elaborate. Totally. Right? Uh, yours was, yours wasn't elaborate in terms of like the way you were pitching it. Like it was very like, you know, it was great, but what was elaborate was getting, uh, Robert, getting Robert in the pledge. Cause like the clip they put on social media was like, ah, like him, like screaming. And he, he I remember that moment. Cause he went like, he started yelling. I was like, you know, we're trying to like Robert breathe, like t- and talk him through it. And he yells, shut up to us. It's an incredible clip. Uh, but he actually ends up, I mean, I, I give so much credit to him cause he, he dropped in. Like he actually has a moment in the show. I don't kind of remembering how it was cut. He comes out after and has a great sound bite where he's like, I feel great. And it was like genuine like right. when he was in his robe. But when he was in the plunge, there was a moment you could see his nervous system, like oh, calm down. And he's like, guys, okay, I'm getting this. And he was like, not acting. He was like very present with us. He was looking at the sharks, like, no guys, like I'm, I'm good. And it was like, and I really give him a lot of credit in that with that, you know, all the cameras on, he, you know, obviously it was pretty dramatic when he got in, but he, he settled in and was like, I'm going to try this and actually like connect to my breath and do the process. And he got out and, you know, he kept chiming in during the show, which didn't make all the air. He's just like, guys, I feel incredible. Like, he, you know, he had it and yeah. we knew he would. That's why we were so adamant of like, we want a shark plunging. Right. And, you know, it was a lot of work to make that happen because of just, obviously we wanted the product there that we had to have it on set, but it was a big, lot of, a lot of stuff that Shark Tank had to deal with, with getting that set up and the timing and the water temperature. And like, we had to send two tubs so they can move because they have to have all these shows. Like there's like eight to 10 pitches that day. Yeah. And not all of them make it to air. I think only like maybe two or three of them of those. Right? Yeah. I don't know the exact percentage, but just to get our set ready, they had to have two, because, t- you know, you got, we wanted it to be a jet genuine plunge of course so the water it takes it can take some time for the water cool down so we had another tub that was like already cooled that they ran a hose to and they pumped the other one into the other one and so our set was like set and then they had to tear that down for the next pitch to come in so so shark tank did a lot of work to make this happen and so but we were really adamant like we have to have a shark in there because this is the experience like we want to show it and it was a it was and it went great. And so, Oh, that's interesting. So they actually, you actually took the water you brought to temperature in another one and yep. then just pumped it into there when yep. it was time to go. So it was cold, yeah. ready to rock. Dude, that's smart. 
Wow. I'm, I'm glad you guys did it that way. I thought that that authentic, like you could tell it was authentic, right? And to hear that the whole show is authentic in its nature is super cool. Um, now you were saying not all like once the sharks, once you guys create a deal, not, not all the deals all the time end up working out, but, mm -hmm. but in your case, you guys are still working through it and getting through the huge investment that was basically given. You had four out of the five sharks want to do a deal with you. That in itself must've felt phenomenal. I mean, I don't know. A lot of people I've seen, I've seen a few of them walk away where no one does a deal and it's just kind of sad, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, some of our deals, I think uh, the funny part on the show, they have a clip and I, I question if that was the moment that they cut on that show, but you remember, I don't know if I had a look that it was like, it's a very, they, they zoomed in on my face and I was, Mr. Wonderful has given us a deal Yeah, and I was not having it in that video. And it yeah. was like a very, like kind of a stink face that I gave. And I'm not sure if it was actually in that moment, but we, the, some of the deals, you know, they were, we weren't going to accept them. Right. They were not, they weren't going to do it, but yeah, I mean, we got the four deals. They, the show was the, the, the producers are very clear of like, do not accept a deal on the show that you're not willing to actually do on the back end. And you know, it's a handshake agreement that you take on the show. Right. And then you enter into a diligence period on the back end with the shark and you kind of have the outline of your deal. And then you start to get into the, you know, the, even though our financials were at with Shark Tank prior, it's like the financials then come in to the specific shark now. And yep. they start looking in and look peering into the company. But you said they vet so they vet all the people that come on the show ahead of time. Yep. They vet I mean it's I, I don't think I ever signed more documents for that than anything in my life. Um wow. it was a you know, lot lots of docs. Obviously it was twenty twenty one covid so a lot of stuff going on there into testing and how the logistics were going to work with with getting down and, and getting into la so but yeah a lot of, they vetted us we had lots of um a lot of interviews uh they, they never like guarantee you're on like it's always until the last moment they can kind of and that's i think a protection they want to make sure no companies fraudulent or doing crazy shit on the back end that they can always be like, okay, we're not going to, we're not going to put them on. You mean, so actual air, airing, airing both. So like getting on, they're doing a lot. They don't want to, you know, it's an expense for them to get you in for and sure. do this show for sure. And so they want to make sure, okay, cool. These, this company's legit. We would actually want them to air. So there, there's a ton there. And then by the time they only tell us three weeks before we air. So we, we shot last September and you didn't know until till three weeks before this last Monday. And so you thought you were like 50, 50. We, we felt pretty confident. We were like, we knew what happened. You know, we knew the number of offers. We knew Robert plunges. Like this is a, this it's a is, good, it's a good one. For it's, TV. A, it's a good one. Yeah. And, and we had really good feedback. So we're, we're feeling confident and there's no guarantee. And the season is getting late. I mean, the season usually ends mid May. Um, you know, you have three weeks. And so there was basically two and they hadn't really released any more like, uh, air dates. And so we were kind of like, what? And supposedly shark tank was in like negotiations for the next season. It's like they hadn't announced how many air dates they were going to be doing for this season 13. So I even had a moment where I was like, it's not happening. Right. I like thought it wasn't going to happen, which super bummed me out because our company and our team is so, you know, this is like a big mo. It's not just Mike and I that went on there. This is our company. Like yeah. this is like. Well, it, it aired like two days ago. Did you see like website traffic increase in the last? Totally. Week? I mean, we've 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 seen a, a massive spike in in web traffic, and now it's been more of a consistent like increase that we've seen. It's just been, and I we didn't know we didn't know what type of leads these were going to come in. Our, our product's unique to go on to Shark Tank. It's For a sure. higher price point. Um, it's you know it's not a food product. It's not a T-shirt. Like it's not an impulse buy. Right. Um, it's like what kind of leads are these? And of course, from the layman's kind of. People that don't know, it's like, I can do it in my bathtub. Why don't I just get a trough and fill it up with ice? And it's like, yeah. <laughs> that's just, there's a disconnect there. But we've had a lot of qualified, a lot of qualified like lead and customers and, and people genuinely like, no, I get this. Like yeah. I, I, I'm interested. And so this week's been, it's been phenomenal from just a sales standpoint and just a really good customer interaction. Well, so let's, let's dive into that because there's so much to unpack when it comes to, to cold work. So you know, back when I would compete at the CrossFit Games, they'd have these like troughs and they'd throw a ton of ice in it and you get in and it looks kind of badass, especially when you have the ice like still sitting in there. Yep. Um, but there was two major problems that I saw. One is I didn't want to build that at my house because I would have to keep going, getting ice or use an ice machine. 
And the second is like you have to empty it out and refill it on a regular basis because the water gets super gross. Just seemed really, really wasteful. Mm -hmm. That was like my, those were my two big things. Why I never really messed with um, cold water immersion. Now, one of the things that I found myself doing that was also difficult was going to the ocean because it's 45 minutes from now. It just takes a lot of work. And you guys solve this big problem. So let's talk about cold water therapy. I, I shared a story with, with you that this has been profoundly impactful for my daughter and myself in particular. And I talk about this a lot on the podcast. And in the mornings we do a workout, she gets in for three to four minutes. I see an instant mood change. I see so many benefits, particularly in the mindset of learning how to control your breath and, and, and just getting in a much better mood. So what is the science behind all this stuff? Cause I know that I feel like it's working, but is it just placebo? And then let's talk about the nit and gritty of like how to actually do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, what's happening is you're getting an adrenaline spike into the body. You know, that's like, that's coming. I mean, Andrew Huberman just kind of released a, uh, I don't know if it was a study, but cold exposure. And I forget the exact time periods per week. You know, it increases your uh, dopamine availability in your body. So it's like, that's a real, you talk about those mood enhancements, that's real. Yeah. Like dopamine, you know, it, it dopamine can be morphed into, it's kind of that incentive, you know, and, and so it's an incentive piece to, you know, if, if your happiness or your mood or all the things. So that's massive that's taking place there. I think from the placebo standpoint, you mentioned that I always lean towards, do you feel good? Yeah, like right. genuinely, like that's enough for me. Like I'm, I, I love the study. We're in talks with doing some studies with different people right now. And we, we definitely promote that stuff, but I'm always, the thing that I love about plunging is like, get used to your own body. Like, what do you feel like? If this is a no for you and you get in and you're not feeling better, do not do this. I just haven't found that yet. Mm -hmm. Um, and so finding people to find their own flow, everyone, you know, you ask about like how to cold plunge. And I think there's, there's protocols to that. Like there isn't a set Yes, the two to three minutes, maybe starting at 55 to 60 degrees, it's like the good starting point, but it's really an internal journey. Like, you know, you have yours at four minutes at 55 and that's what your family does. And that's where you guys are at. And that's perfect. And it's, you know, and you guys will adjust accordingly as you guys go, whether that's going a little longer, whether that's low in the temperature, but there's no set like, oh, you need to be here by that. It, it, it doesn't work that way. Mm. It's your body is specific to it. So that's what I love about cold plunges. People get to know their body a bit more that works for them as opposed to what they think they're supposed to be told to do. Um, so I think that's like a, a, a big breakthrough there and the science getting back into that. It's like, I mean, the biggest thing, my one top, top piece to the whole thing is nervous system regulation. Like I said, you're getting adrenaline spiking into your body and adrenaline is going to show up in your body, whether you're being chased by a lion your partner is screaming at you, um, you are in a super stressful workout, or you're in a cold plunge. Yep. It's all the same internally. The you know, the the externals the thing, the chemical mechanism that you know that's happening in the body happens a certain way. And the cold plunge is a safe environment to actually induce this stress response. Mm. And then you learn how to breathe. You learn how to regulate yourself, and that's where the magic is. That's when the body gets back into homeostasis and hormones happen how they're supposed to happen. And so to me, that's kind of the, the crux of the whole thing is learning to breathe in stressful states. Regardless of any other benefits, inflammation, you know, a lot of people talk about anti-inflammatory right? Okay, cool. Got that. Uh, you know, helping with the brown fat. Okay, cool. Got that. Like, but the one you just said, it, regardless of the science, like it's a fact because you feel that, right? You, you feel that sense of, um, you feel overwhelmed for a second. And then all of a sudden you recapture your breath and it goes away. It takes me about a minute. So when I get in there, it takes about one minute. And then after a minute, I'm good to go. And, um, that's been really big for me and for the kids to teach them how to, how to, capture the breath, calm the body, calm the mind. And that's like a pretty cut and dry, like benefit. One of the other things I've seen, I don't know if you've seen this, like when I get out of the plunge, if I'm in there for two, three, four, uh, I'm, I'm in there for four minutes. So if I'm in there for four minutes, when I get out, my body's still cold for like, like really long, like an hour or two after. And I feel like my body has to work really hard to regain the temperature, which it, I imagine from a fat loss perspective, 
it, it's probably burning a lot of calories to do that. It, have you have you had anybody talk about just using that as a weight loss component? Totally. I mean, Andrew Huberman, that's his big thing. Is it, it's a metabolism increase, and yeah. that's a great. You know, if you if you find yourself in a bit of a shiver after, or um, you know, you are cold for a while, that that's a good response to the body. It's you know, it, it's different. It, some people don't want that. So if you're because it is, if you're cold two hours after, that's if you're going for the metabolism side of it, that's a good, you want that. It's a good sign. Not everyone's wanting to be cold two hours after they cold plunge. Right. So you can stop that by doing movement right after. Right. You know, you could do some, you know, air squats. You can do jumping jacks. You can do push-ups. You could do jump rope. You can get a mini trampoline and jump on that. So find ways to get blood flowing into the body quicker. So that that's a way to kind of offset that. But 100%, the metabolism side of it and fat loss is massive and that's the body's going through its natural process to like warm up, warm the body up. So the way that I've been doing is I get in, I go to about like chest tight for one minute. After that, I've regained my breath. I then drop down all the way into my neck and I sit there for another three to four minutes. And then at the end I dip all the way and get my head under and I get out. That's, that's why I've been doing it. But again, as you said, like there's different journeys. I watched you do it here at my house and you initially start off by, by, fully submerging yourself, then coming up. So you said it was almost like a hack. So for people who are interested in, or have a plunge currently, mm -hmm. you like just going right in and then coming up. Yep. I, dunking in first. It's the initial shock to me. Your body's already going through the shock at that point. You, no matter what, if you plunge all the time or not get in there. So I'd like to get my head under and take the full shock in hold, hold under for one to two seconds. And then I come out and it's like, how quickly can I regulate my breath from that moment? And I actually, my body warms up quicker. Like I, I re I adapt to the, to the water at a much quicker pace as opposed to staying out with my head out. Um, so I, that has been, it's not something that I read anywhere. That was something I kind of just discovered. And it's been, we've really introduced it to a lot of our content we put out there and we're getting great feedback. That's like, Oh my God, this is, this is a game changer. So, yeah. and, and so from, from that perspective, if someone doesn't have a plunge now, obviously you're recommending, I, I have no ownership stake in plunge, <laughs> uh, but the plunge would be the great, great next step. Right. But if they, you know, if they don't have a plunge, what would be a good alternative because I've actually found that taking cold showers is actually harder than getting into the plunge. And I know that sounds so weird, but like I was traveling to Missouri yesterday and I was like, dude, I got to get in my cold work. And dude, it sucks getting into a cold shower compared to just dipping into a plunge. So what would be the recommendation if you don't have a plunge other than obviously go buy a plunge, of course? Yeah. I mean, the plunge is the option if you want to build consistency like that. I, I, if you're going to be doing this once a month, don't get a plunge. Let me tell you that. Um, I, you know, it would be like buy. It'd be decking your house out with a, a a gym at your house and spending all this money on equipment if you didn't work out consistently. Mm. Like, just pay the one off to the gym. Like, go do that. Um, so that's that's how I view the plunge for starting out. Man, I mean, what we're in May right now. Depending on most places in the country, still have access to some cold water. Like, you can get in a river, you can get in a lake, get in the Pacific Ocean. There's a lot of water right now that has, that's at a good temperature. You know, it doesn't need to be 35 degrees, right? It, you know, 60 degrees, is a great starting point. And the people are kind of like 60 degrees. It seems so that doesn't seem too low. And it's like, it's cold. Like, you know, your, your units at 55, it's cold. Like it's, it's so getting people to recognize like the temperature in that 55 to 60 degree range is a great starting spot. And, you know, showers are an access point for a lot of people. Everyone has a shower. I'm with you. I don't, I would much rather get into a plunge. Not that I think it's actually easier. I just like that full submersion more than a shower. Yeah. And there's the option with the shower to turn it hot. Oh dude, totally. It's, 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 it's different. You normally take warm showers and so you can turn it. And it's, and showers are tough too, because the water's hitting, it's, yes. it's, it's moving fast at you. And yeah. so your body never really, you don't get a thermal layer around it. So if you're going to be doing a shower, I recommend either having it hit right on the chest, putting your head down and doing like on the crown of your head or right at the back top, like the neck between your shoulders and your hairline right there and having the water hit right there and try and get in, shoot for like 10 controlled breaths at each spot and just do that and like incorporate that into your routine and just start there and just see how you feel after because showers will, yeah, you might not get the 
the metabolism side, or we talked about the brown fat or some of these other that come from a full submersion, you will come out with a mood enhancement. Oh yeah. You will come out feeling like, whew, I got a little more energy right now. I feel good. So that's a good starting point. Build some routine there. You know, the next route is, um, the trough. If you have the trough, that's, that's, it's great for a one-off, you know, it's, you're going to go spend 40 to 50 bucks in ice probably. Um, but you get the trough, fill it up with water, put the ice in. That's a good starting point to do one. See how yep. you feel in there and get a feel. I mean that you can buy a trough for a couple hundred bucks, get the ice, you get your, you get your, you get your, you get your plunge for 250 bucks. Right. You know, and you got that now. So I always recommend like, I mean, with some people we have that, that just buy the plunge and they're right. just like, I'm in, I get it. I'm sold. Like I know I, it's going to actually get me to do it more if I just buy it. Yeah. And I totally get that too. And then everyone that's kind of skeptical, I was like, start with those two things and just do that. Or the big thing right now is go on Yelp and type in cold plunge. And there's a lot of places that are popping up. Oh, whether we they, can go jump in we it. We can go do it. You could, you know, whether it's like a, an urban bathhouse or a, a sauna facility that added yeah, a plunge, yeah. whether it's our unit or they, they have built in custom ones, go find those places, go do that, do the contrast, do the hot and cold. I mean, you have the sauna here. That's a great entry point for a lot of people too. It makes it much more manageable. If your body gets a really warm prior, it's a lot more inviting and you're a lot more courageous to get into the cold. So I think that's a good hack. The other hack too, to getting started out is doing it with people. It's, it's a very simple thing, but it's a lot easier to plunge when you're with someone yes, and you can go longer and you're more, you're more, we're just, we're more resilient in community. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I love those tips, right? Doing it with other people, the, the hot into the cold definitely makes a difference. Whether it's just doing a workout or getting the sauna and then getting in there. I've actually found from my personal experience, and this is, I found that it's been easier for me, like I said, to do the plunge than it was to get myself to go do the ice and to even do the cold shower. So if you are someone that's been able to be consistent with cold showers, I actually think you're going to find the plunge to be easier for me. Now, you talked about this layer that comes around your body. And one of the things that's interesting about the plunge is it has these jets that are constantly running. And I imagine that's just to continue the filtration system. And then every now and then the AC unit turns on to cool the water, the cooler unit. When you are in the plunge, after you've been in for like a minute or two, I feel like there becomes like a small layer around my body that gets a little bit warmer mm -hmm. and I barely move and then it gets colder again. It's not as bad because there is jets that are moving the water, but is that the recommendation is to move around a little bit or not really? It's, it's, a, it's an option. It's an option. I mean, our unit, like you said, it has the filtration, so it is more of like a running stream that's yeah. there. So you're not getting the typical thermal layer that's built around the body in a regular ice bath where it's stagnant water. But yes, that is the spot. You find that sweet spot with water that's not moving. And so that's a great option to add in, you know, for anyone starting out, it's like just get in and find your breath in there. And then these are the, these are the things you can add in to make it more challenging. You know, you want to stay on the razor's edge of like, am I comfortable in here or am I, uh, is this uncomfortable? And we want to, we want to play in that space. So moving your arms or bringing your hands in and moving water around, that's going to make this a little more uncomfortable. It's going to get your heart rate back up. Okay, cool. How do you bring your heart rate back down mm -hmm. in that situation? So I still haven't gotten to the point where I bring my hands in. I know that sounds weird. I get right here. Yep. I and then when I fully go down, I do, but I, I, I haven't kept my hands in. So that's my next step. You know, one of the recommendations a friend of mine gave me, I found it to be really helpful. And I don't I'm sure, I don't know how you feel about this. He said, you want to have like a good positive relationship with the water and you want to feel like, I don't know if he heard Huberman say this, or you want to be ready to get out versus being like, feeling like you're forced to get out. Like, and that's what I've been trying to do with the plunge where I want to get in it. I want to get, regain my breath. And then I want to feel like, okay, I'm ready to get out versus this sucks so much. I'm so cold. I'm frozen. I need to get out. Um, and that's been helpful for me because it hasn't made me build up resentment towards the cold. It's actually like making it something that I could like get through. And then over time, my goal is to bring the water temperature down to the duration up. That's, that's my take on it. Is that, I love that. I think that's a huge, cause there is, that gets into this spot that we're talking about of like nervous system and stress, having a relationship to stress. Mm -hmm. I mean, the cold is inducing the stress. Yeah. And so you're, you're. There is that spot every time that you're like, I want to get out and the excuses are popping in for me. It's I'm always busy. Yeah, I, I got to get to I that. Gotta thing. Go. Yeah, yeah. I got to yeah. go. Dude, I don't need it that long today. It's every day. You know, it's some game that I'm going to play with myself in there. But like you said, yours is about a minute. Whatever that time is, you will feel your system whew, calm in. 
And to me, that's a essential relationship that you are building with the cold, that it's like, this is, I, and that, that goes into this resilience. I, I think the resilience is a building is a huge part of that comes up in cold plunge. And I really think it's just new neural networks that are being created. Mm-hmm. We're building this new, we did the hard thing and we just building a new story every single day. And we're just compounding that every single day. And you get out on your terms and that just creates this whole new level of confidence and empowerment that of who we are in relation to things that we do. Yeah. I, I use this term with the kids uh, called micro adversity and basically just trying to expose myself to micro adversity every day through workouts, right? Like, Hey, you really don't want to do another squat. You do it and you get through it. And that kind of builds it up. Like to steal David Goggins kind of calluses your mind a little bit, but the cold does the exact same. And so for those people who maybe don't exercise on a regular basis, but they maybe can inspire themselves to do the cold. I think you get the same benefits from both. And then if you combine the two, now you're going to be like superhuman. Totally. <laughs> totally. Now, what are next steps for the plunge? I mean, you guys have seen tremendous growth. Your team is rock and rolling. You just were on shark tank. I mean, I mean, dude, it's, 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 it's so exciting for me. Cause talk about like a rising tides, like the tide is going to rise with you. There's going to be people and businesses that are going to come up with you as you're growing. What is the next thing for plunge? Like the next, I don't want to say product iteration or where you're going. Cause you had the original plunge. Then you created an XL version. Then you created XL with hot cold. So for clarity's sake, I have a plunge XL hot cold. I haven't used it as hot yet. I don't know if I ever will, but I like the XL cause I'm able to jump in with my kids. But, um, what's the next step? Yeah, I think, I mean, we are, we are going to launch a sauna here Woo! in 20, 2022, um, don't have a specific date on that, but we're really close to the final design that we have and we're real excited on it. We think it's going to be, it's going to be a very unique, unique thing that's going to hit the market. So we're working on that. I think just trying to control, not control our growth, but like build the company. We want to build it. Growth is crazy. You know, it's, it's happening so fast, but we want to do it on our terms. We want to do it building a healthy team, building a profitable company. That's, you know, we're not just chasing growth. Mm. And so that's been a big thing internally kind of keeping blinders on of like, what are we doing in house? So as a company, that's something we're really focused on. And like, you know, we could, how we hire the people we bring in the systems we put into place. So it's managing this, this massive growth with also like a, uh, a healthy company building that takes place. How do you manage growth? with outside investors. So just a question, you know, I don't know how much you want to get into it, but if someone invests money and they have a goal of X return in a certain amount of time and they put pressure on you to grow, 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 but you maybe need to slow it down to make sure you're doing things. Do you just finding the right investors who have the right mindset behind it? Or yeah. where is that bridge? You know, I mean, I, for plunge we haven't, obviously we're, we're talking to Robert, but yep. we, we haven't, we haven't brought in outside investment mm. and Mike and I have been able to do this with him and I, Dude. and so we have been able to bootstrap the whole thing and, and, you know, get to where we are with sales and finding routes of, you know, different levels of financing or unique loan options that we've brought on that have been kind of aggressive loan terms and we're growing. So we're, we're getting access to that, but it's, um, we've been really cognizant of like, we want to do this the way we want to do this. And we know you bring another person into the party and things just change regardless of how the structure is and how, how great the partnership is. And so that's been there for us. I've dealt with this at capital floats. And to me, it's always just expectations, finding the right partners prior to someone bringing on. I'm big into like, not, there, there are moments you need money, you know, you need cash injections at certain times, but the more you can be outside of that frequency of, I need this, Mm. the more the it's almost less, like finding strategic partners versus just needing money. Exactly. And, and it comes back and it, it and they, there, there's this lack of, it separates like a partner. There's a sense to that of like, Oh, I got, I got to make my money. It's like, no, you got in for the ride. You got in for this journey as opposed to returns. And so I've always been big on that finding partners that, that are through and through signing up for the mission and the vision statement. And it's like, here are our projections. Here's what we're looking to do. Nothing's guaranteed here. We're going to work our ass off to do it, but here's our mission and vision. And if anything ever gets in the way, you signed up for this. Right. And that, that's kind of been the North star. Oh, I like it. I like it, man. I'm, I'm as, I mean, I didn't get in a, you, you just got out of the punch. You must really be fired up because uh, I'm fired great. up on, I'm fired up on ruck and coffee. And uh, 
I'm uh, I'm going to go jump in that right now, but I uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate you know sharing with me more about the business and your background. I think coming from the brick and mortar and then getting into you know the plunge. Um, for anyone who wants to know more about the plunge, um, where should they go? What's the best place? The coldplunge.com is the website. We have we put out a lot of good content on emails and newsletters and information that goes out. So you know that try and bring a lot of value there. So go to the site, put your email in. Instagram is a big source for us. We're on TikTok, we're on YouTube. I mean, all of the channels. So we yeah. we try and really hold the content we put out there to make it valuable. Um, so yeah, those are those are the main channels at the Cold Plunge and all those handles. And before I forget, I have my plunge outside. Mm-hmm. Do you recommend um, if the temperature, like if someone lives in you know, Boston, do you recommend for them to have it indoor or, or have you seen success indoor or outdoor? Indoor or, indoor or outdoor. And you have the hot and cold. And in reality, we created that unit for people in Boston. So you can upregulate the temperature. It wasn't so much that it could turn into a hot tub and it's a uh-huh. functionality and it's cool. And we, it's, it, it happens and people use it, but most of it is for people in Boston and it's 10 degrees outside, but I want to plunge at 55. You can upregulate the temperature. So that's the main functionality of the. So it wasn't to be a, uh, a, a, a hot tub. It, it wasn't. It was, <laughs> it was, it, it is a feature and we get some people that get two and turn one to a hot, one to a cold and they put them right next to each other and they contrast it. And so that, that's totally possibility or people that cycle through, like you could hot tub at night and have your change it and get it cold in the morning and rotate those two throughout the day. <sighs> Takes a little more, you know, you got to just cognizantly do it and actually, yeah. but yeah, it's actually for the people that are in, you know, majority of this country that are in the wintertime, it's freezing cold out. So, so they can heat it up. They can heat it up and plunge at a, you know, as opposed to the unit being down to 39 degrees, they can plunge at their practice temperature. Dude, I'm super excited for the sauna. I, I, I'm, I love where you guys are going and, uh, make sure you guys go check out the plunge and, uh, dude, thanks for coming out to, uh, San Jose and hanging out with me, man. Dude, appreciate it. Great day.